We're going to continue our sermon series on authentic faith. You know, if I'm going to live this life of faith, I want to do it properly, don't you? I want to do it not as I want to do it, but I want to do it as Christ would have me to do it. Amen? Because otherwise, we're simply wasting our time. So today, I want to move forward in chapter 2 in the book of James. And today, we're going to talk about how that faith without works is dead. Now, I know that some of you maybe wanted me to preach a different subject, but you know what? really doesn't matter to me. I'm going to preach this today, if that's all right with you, okay? James chapter 2, and I want you to join me as we read together verses 14 through 19. Are you there yet? All right, good. James chapter 2, verse 14, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or a sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, and I will have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one? Well, good for you. Even the demons believe that and shudder. Father, thank you for your word today. Help me to represent it well and let your people grasp it. In such a way that it will change their lives forever. I ask it in Jesus' name, amen and amen. You know, we've been talking about this idea of authentic faith. What does it mean to have an authentic faith? In the United States particularly, we have turned the gospel of Jesus Christ into such a consumer mentality that it has quickly become all about us about what we can get, about what we can have, about what kind of blessing is, is there for me. When the reality is and the truth is, is that the gospel is very outward focused. God saves us for our sins, from our sins for a couple of reasons. Number one, to, to give us eternal life, but secondly... To prepare us and anoint us so that we can represent him and be his ambassadors in this world. Now I'm going to preach quickly to you today and I don't intend to to, uh, say a whole lot. But I've asked the Lord to to help me to say a little bit with a big impact today. Because I know we have our children with us and I learned years ago that your mind can only endure as much as your backside can. So I get that. I have two points that I want to make to you today, and I think that James was trying to get into our spirit. And the first one is this. The faith in our hearts is evident by the fruit in our lives. Let me say that again. The the faith in our hearts is evident in the fruit of our lives. In other words, 
you, you should be able to not just look at me and have to determine whether or not I'm a child of God. I, there should be such a, an outflow of spiritual fruit from my life that it is very obvious to you that that man is a follower of Christ. And not because I'm a pastor, because before I'm a pastor, I'm just a human just like you. And I work out my own salvation in fear and trembling just like you. So my life has to look like that which reflects the nature of Christ in us. Now, James is really just reflecting what Jesus was saying in Matthew chapter 7. If you have your Bibles, flip over there very quickly. It will also be on the screen. Matthew chapter 7, verses 16 through 20 it says, you will recognize them by... Well, let me back up to 15 and put it in context. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruit. Amen. That's what it says. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or fig, figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Tyler, are you back there? Come up here and help me for a minute, will you? Can you come up here? Is, is that a yes or a no? Well, let, let, okay, let your sister come up. Will you come up? No. Come on. No. You're, I didn't think I looked that bad today. Come on up. Can, can you look at that and tell me what that is? Examine it. Turn it upside down. Move it around and around. Look at it. A halo. I think you're right about that. I think that's what the sticker says right there. Yeah, you are a very wise individual to read the sticker before I should have taken that off before you came up here. Outsmart the pastor now. What is that? Turn it upside down, look at it. It's still a halo, right? That was the right answer. Pastor, you dummy, even though you took the sticker off, it's still a halo. Because it does, thank you for your help. Because it doesn't change because I took the label off of it. It remains the same. I need somebody else to help me. Some, some other one of the children who would come. It doesn't matter to me at this point. Go right back there. Come on up. Come on up. Hurry. Run, run, hoot, and holler. Come on. Oh, we got them coming from everywhere. They're running the aisles everywhere. Here. Oh, scared you, didn't I? Look at that. Turn it upside down. Roll it around. Rub it. Smell it. Lick it. No, don't lick it. I have... It's an apple. What is it? An apple. an apple. Let me ask you another question. If I were to take this apple and squeeze it or put it under the back tire of your mom and dad's car, and then when they back out, it squishes that apple, what do you think would come out of that apple? Seeds would be one thing. What else? Do you think orange juice would come out? No, 
Oh, apple juice would come out. So halo juice wouldn't come out of the apple? No, apple juice would come out, right? Okay, thank you so much for your help. You want the apple? There you go. You want your halo? There you go. I started to throw it, but Amber was in the way. And, and, and here's the point. The fruit is not affected by what you call it or what the label says. The fruit is what it is. And when it is squeezed and pressure is put on it, what will come out of it is what is inside of it. So if you have an orange and you squeeze that orange, then orange juice will come out of it, right? And if you have an apple and you squeeze that apple, what's going to come out of that? Apple juice. So let me ask you this. How many of you are Christians? Can I see your hand? That means that Christ lives in you. When the devil starts squeezing you and when the devil starts standing on you and putting pressure on you, what is going to come out of you? Can you tell me? Jesus juice. Christian juice ought to be coming up. Now, I, I give full credit to my brother-in-law, who is also a pastor, for coming up with that little illustration there. But here's the point. Jesus is saying that the, that the fruit will represent what is inside of it. You can look at a tree out in, a, out in the yard, but until you see the fruit that comes off of that tree, you may or may not know what kind of tree that that is. So the first point today is, is that the faith in our hearts becomes evident by the fruit of our lives. So you can say you're a Christian all day long. You can say that you're a follower of Christ all day long, but until the fruit of his spirit lines up with his nature that is in us, then your faith is dead. Faith without works is dead. Faith without proper representation of the spirit of God in us is dead. So the first point is, is that the faith in our hearts is evident by the fruit of our lives. And I like what the next few verses say in verses in James chapter 2, verse 15. If a brother is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace and be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. So let's say that you have two coats, and you meet somebody who has no coat. They have no way to keep warm in the wintertime, but you've got two coats. Say, well, yeah, but I, I like them both. They're both very nice coats. They're both good coats. They're, 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 they, they, you know, I bought them for me. I like them. They fit me. But the Scripture is saying... That if you're not willing to meet the need of destitution in that life, then the faith that you have in Christ is dead. Now, there are some commentators who will say that what that means there is that if you don't do those things, then you're not even saved. 
I don't, I don't believe that commentary on it. I believe what it's saying is, is that you may be saved, but your faith and the works of your faith are not doing anyone any good. They're not doing you any good. And they're not doing those around you any good. I want to announce something to you today. God has strategically placed you where you are. Not so that you can be successful and not so that you can be loved, but so that you can make a difference in other people's lives and preach through your living so in such a way that they can understand that Jesus Christ died for their sins. So the first thing is, is that our fruit represents the faith that is in us. Now I want you, if you, if you will, to go to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25, and I want to read a passage of scripture that I've never liked reading. Can I just be honest about it today? I hate this verse. I hate this passage because of what it says. Because it doesn't meet with our expectations. But now listen, when Jesus is speaking, and in my Bible, it's written in red which means that we believe that these were the actual words of Jesus Christ, then we'd better pay attention and listen, don't you think? And we better adjust our living to what Jesus says. So, Matthew chapter 25, begin reading with me at verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne, and before Him will be gathered all the nations... And he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father and inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. And I was in prison and you came to me. And then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you? Or naked and clothe you and... When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say unto you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on the left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For when I was hungry, you gave me no food. And I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. I was naked, and and you didn't clothe me. And I was in prison, and you didn't visit me. And then they will answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, 
and we did not minister to you. And he will answer them saying, truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. You see, there's coming a judgment day, folks. I I know that we live in a nation of prosperity, and if I had a nickel for every prosperity teacher on the earth, I'd be a rich, rich man. Prosperity abounds everywhere. Hyper grace for everyone. Doesn't matter what you do. It's okay with God. You still get a trophy. And it's all going to be okay. But it's not going to be okay. If we have lived this life in such a way that we do not represent the things of the kingdom. Let me tell you something. It's not about us. It's about his eternal purpose for this earth. And while I would not go so far as to say that you are a pawn in his chess game, I will go so far as to say that he has given you the power and the anointing to be his ambassador in this life right now, which means that wherever you go, you have the authority to represent him in this world. We can't afford to miss opportunities. A few weeks ago on a Wednesday night, I came to you and I asked you to help me raise some money for one of our schools, Simple Elementary. They needed some basketball goals and some equipment, and and you responded so beautifully. And I got a letter from a teacher at Simple Elementary School. And I know this is not preaching, but I'm going to read to you for just a minute. And I want you to just settle your jets, if that's okay, and listen to what this individual says to us. It says, Dear Pastor Baker and the congregation, words cannot fully express my appreciation for the amazing basketball goals. I thought they were just regular old basketball goals. But they were amazing basketball goals and the gym supplies that your congregation bestowed upon us at Simple Or as our principal, Danielle Randall, likes to refer to it as 724 Denmark Street, where we are changing lives. Our principal is a great leader, and I love working for her. She's very passionate about helping our students, not just to achieve good test scores, but also to make a real difference in their lives by showing them love and teaching them the things many of them have not been taught by their family. Things like manners, discipline, respect, due to their life circumstances. And I have to say it is heart-wrenching to hear some of their stories. And it makes it difficult for me to go to my home and sleep in my comfortable bed knowing they live in rough neighborhoods and rough circumstances which I have known myself and never want to live in again. We teachers fight an uphill battle While we have them in our building every day because each day they leave us and return to the neighborhoods and environments they came from. And in many cases their environments are toxic with crime, 
bullying, negativity, and a lack of morals and manners. So every day is a challenge to get them to learn basic life skills that many of us take for granted. And on top of that, our teachers have to get them ready for the end-of-year test that our school will be graded on and talked about in JCPS board meetings and in the media, even though they don't mention the tragedies and the hardships that so many of these kids must overcome. Our teachers have a very tough job, but our students have it even tougher because they must climb a steep mountain to success especially if they don't have a family member at home helping them with their homework and, and pushing them to do better. And sadly, that happens more often than it should to our students here at Simple. I had some teachers that were big influences on me, but I couldn't imagine where I might be if it didn't have my mom, if I didn't have my mom there to always support me and make sure that I did my homework disciplining me when I was doing wrong and reading me bedtime stories so I learned to enjoy reading at a very young age. My single mother had very little money raising two boys by herself and we moved often and not always in the nicest of neighborhoods but I never felt unloved. I never felt unwanted and I always got what I needed. Drugs and incarceration had made many of our kids' lives much more challenging. When you have a student with behavior problems and you talk to the mother and they curse their child and call them stupid to their face, could you imagine what they might say to their child at home when no one is there to witness it? When you turn on the news and see a story about one of your students at the age of eight who is the main witness in the murder of his own mother, it's gut-wrenching. Or to have students tell you stories about how older kids in their neighborhoods have pointed guns at them and they were afraid that they were going to die. I will admit to you, it's hard to hold back my anger at the thought of someone threatening the lives of my students. The sad stories of neglect and domestic violence and abuse and living in crime-infested neighborhoods seem endless sometimes and can be overwhelming. But those stories are also the reason I keep coming back to 724 Denmark Street. And on my toughest days, when I must deal with a lot of misbehavior and disrespectful children, I have to remind myself, if I don't do it, who will? So many of our students were dealt a bad hand in life. And we're trying to do our help, our, our part to help. But they need all the love and encouragement they can get. As the old saying goes, it takes a village. And that is why when giving people from our community reach out to help our students, I am indebted to them because I can't think, thank them enough. Your congregation's goodwill and giving spirit 
will certainly go a long way in helping our students because through sports, we learn teamwork. We learn sportsmanship. We learn how to win. We learn how to lose. We learn how to compete. We improve our health. We make lifelong friends. And we've also learned from your giving example. I always tell my students to pay it forward if somebody helps you. Then you should pass it on and help someone else. I sincerely thank you for the blessing that you have given our school. Schools in Jefferson County receive money based on property taxes of the area that they are located in and where our school is located. The average home value is around $50,000. So we don't get quite as much money as many of the other schools in Louisville. And my health and PE budget is basically non-existent. Over the last three years, any equipment that we've been able to get has come from my own pocket or the generosity of people like you at Spirit Life Church. Isn't it interesting how God puts people in your path so that you can dispense the love of Jesus Christ to them at a time when it is most needed? I'll be honest with you, there are times at our church that money can be so tight that I wonder whether or not we're going to have enough. And yet God has always, for six and a half years, I don't know where it comes from sometimes. I don't know how it gets here. But I know you well enough to know that you would never say, Pastor, why don't we keep a little bit of that for ourselves when there are people in need? that have far less than we have. I remember in Scripture one times where the poorest of the poor begged Paul to let them give out of their own need because they were so moved with compassion for those who were in greater need than they. I don't know, church. I I don't know if it's my age, being middle-aged, or what it is. So many things have changed in my life. Things that I used to care about, I couldn't care less about anymore. But I'll tell you what I do care about. I do care about winding up on the sheep side of things and not the goat side of things. I don't care how you look at this book, you cannot escape the fact and the reality that there is coming a day of judgment. And the judgment will be based, first of all, on our faith. Did we choose to believe Jesus Christ? Did we give our life to Him? Did we repent of our sin and turn our lives over to Him? Or did we choose another route? But even for those of you who claim to be Christians today, the Scripture says that if you have not done what His Word says for you to do, and I, Lord, please help me keep my, my mouth 
quiet and soft and my expressions controlled because I don't want anyone to think I'm angry or mad or trying to stir up any movement emotionally. I've seen so many people give their life to Christ in an emotional moment, but they didn't mean it. And as a result of it, when they got out of the atmosphere, they went right back to their old ways. Let me tell you something. Coming to Jesus Christ is a knowledgeable decision. I don't care how you feel. I don't care if you get goosebumps or not. I don't care if the hair stands up on the back of your neck or not. You have to make a knowledgeable, informed decision that Jesus Christ is who he says he is. And I accept that truth. And young people, hear me. I, I know that the kids are getting restless and all that, but hear me, young people. You won't get to heaven based on your mom and your dad's credentials. You will only get there if your very own name is written in the Lamb's book of life. You say, well, but mom and dad took me to church. But did you accept Jesus? I worked in children's church as part of the praise team. But did you accept Jesus? You see, that's where it starts is accepting Jesus. And then out of that faith comes our fruit. Stop worrying about your fruit first. Worry about your faith first. And then once you get the nature of Christ in you, the fruit will come. Would you close your eyes with me this morning and just bow your heads? Don't look around. I, I don't do this frequently, but I feel led to go this direction this morning. Are you here this morning and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? You may be eight years old and you've thought about it, you've heard about it, but you've never taken that step. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to come forward and we're going to pray with you today. You may be a teenager and you're thinking, you know, I want to wait until I graduate high school because I don't want anybody to know I'm a Christian while I'm going through high school. I want to wait. I want to wait. Listen, tomorrow is not promised. You only have today as a promise from the Lord. Why gamble? Why wait? If you're that teenager that's never made a public confession of Jesus Christ, I want you to consider doing that today. I know that there are young adults in this house today that you flirted with Jesus. You've thought about it, but you've never really taken that step of faith. In just a moment when we pray, will you come and say, Today, Lord, I'm going public. Today, anybody who wants to know and everybody who wants to know will know I'm on the sheep side of things. I'm not on the goat side anymore. I could go through all the age groups, but the bottom line is this. If you're here today and you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, today can be your day if you will make that choice. Now, all heads are bowed and all eyes are closed. 
It's just you and me. If you're here today and you would say, Pastor, I need to accept Jesus into my life and into my heart. I need to be forgiven of my sins. I need to come forward today and take a public step in my confession of faith. If that's you, will you lift your hand up right where you sit? Just lift it up. All right. Are there others? All right. Are there others? Amen. Okay, hands down. If you lifted your hand today and you want to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I want you to step out of your pew where you are and come stand right down here in front of me and we're going to pray with you. Come now if you will. Come on. There you go. Parents, if you need to come too, come on. Come on. There you go. Keep coming. (laughs) What a wonderful day. Are there others? Are there others? Amen. I'm going to come down and I'm going to pray with these children. And I want you to point your hand this direction, if you will, and pray with me as we pray for them as they have taken this step of faith today. Will you do that? Just point your hand this direction. Sing a little bit for us. 